Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the DNVR Podcast Network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world, and if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of DNBR, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 78 of McChesney Unchained, coming to you from 6-0 Football Academy down here at 6-0 Strength and Fitness. Uh, make sure you check out 6-0strength.com for any and all information regarding the gym and how we do things down here. Um, had good 5 a.m. sessions this morning. Pass rush got down. Guys get out of here for about a week. Give them a little bit of time off. Uh, this is my last show uh, for a week. We'll get back to you next week. And uh, and, uh, you know, keep the party going here as episode 79 focuses more on uh, the NFL as a whole. Today, we're going to talk a lot of Broncos. Um, this is episode 78, like I said, on the DNVR.com. Go to DNVR.com and check out everything they do. Make sure you go check out the sports bar downtown. It's pretty awesome. Uh, from what I hear, I haven't been down there yet. But when all the uh, COVID shit's over with, I'll definitely get my fat ass down there. The last thing I want to do is get West Nile and COVID in the same lifetime. Uh, so I'm trying to avoid that. Um, Today's show, uh, we're going to talk all football all the time, and I want to start off by uh, letting you know that you can always find us here at Six Zero Academy on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow both, uh, please, and then also follow uh, at DNVR Unchained, and that's the uh, the Twitter account for the show, and we'll answer any and all questions. And big thanks to Clint Oldenburg last week for coming on the show and talking about Madden and everything else. Uh, that's pretty cool. I can't wait to get the game and get playing this year. Uh, but now let's talk about real football. Um, so uh, we're going to start with the college football game and the Pac-12 and the, the United We Stand thing and the kids that are saying they're not going to play without compensation. My, my feeling about this is simple. It's about time. What have you been waiting for? You literally have the NCAA by the balls. You, do you understand how much money they are going to lose if you don't play and how much money they're going to make if you do? If, if the players ever want to get their piece of the pie from a college football perspective here and they really want to get paid for what they're, uh, for, for what they're giving back to the university. And to be honest with you, man, I mean, I think that the free school thing is – Man, I can't tell you how many people, well, you went to school for free, man. It was not free. Shit. I busted my ass for that scholarship. So I'd be goddamned if it's free. And none of the kids that we send off to school in here, we just had, you know, Trevin uh, Heil committed to the University of Nevada the other day. Caden Dudley committed to Boise State the other day. Trey Zoom committed to Texas A&M. The list goes on and on and on. That, that shit, shit wasn't free. Those guys busted their ass for their opportunities. So, that is a that's bullshit number one nobody ever wants to hear that but number two i think people are starting to understand how much money actually is being brought in and how it's literally like slave labor almost and a stipend check 
it just isn't good enough anymore. And the players need to be compensated. They need medical insurance. They need coverage post-career. The universities have got to do a better job of taking care of everybody uh, when, when tragedies happen. I mean, if people get sick, it can't just be, well, you're, you're going to keep your scholarship. It's got to be bigger than that. If you, if you get sick on campus and, you know, you can't play, I don't care what anybody says. The, somebody's going to use that against you eventually. Just like the Juwan James thing. We're going to talk about that as we get further down the show here. Just like the Juwan James thing, even though he's trying to be healthy and, like, take care of himself, everybody thinks he's just soft. And, unfortunately, that's the way this is going to be portrayed. So, any, you know, the, the guy at Washington State that decided to opt out that started the hashtag United We Stand the head coach, Relevic, we got all pissed off about it and so on and so forth. Actual respect, he doesn't actually want to keep the kid on scholarship. His initial reaction is real, where he, you know, he doesn't want to deal with it and he wants to get, get off the team and all this other bullshit because the coaches and the administrations in college football, they are holding on to this control so tightly, they're choking it. I mean, they're, they're holding on to the control so tight that they're going to kill the game. All they have to do is just give the players a minimal amount of support and make them feel relatively whole. Allow them to buy tickets for their, for their significant others and girlfriends or family to go to games without getting suspended. If they want to sell their championship ring, who gives a shit? They earn and go get a job. I mean, the NCAA is sitting here at the time they're uh, holding the student athlete back, in my opinion, and telling them what they can't do rather than what they can do. National likeness. I mean, a lot of these kids, from a likeness standpoint, who's gonna who's gonna give likeness money to a fucking offensive lineman? Nobody. So I'm I'm of the mindset that I want to see college football. I want to see what should be just natural. I mean, this is the only this is the only business, and I say that wholeheartedly. Business. College football is a business. This is the only business where the people involved in making it move forward and the people people involved in making it special and the people involved in making it worth watching and and spending money on from an advertising standpoint are the, are not getting compensated the players get a stipend check that's bullshit it's not enough no one no one is is getting on ESPN on Saturday to watch Nick Saban run up and down the field and yell at everybody if no one's on the field and no one's going to watch a bunch of walk-ons, I'm sorry. But if you want to play with, with, with scabs, quote unquote, I mean, those kids are on the team as well, but the, the scholarship athletes are what makes the motor run. You take away the scholarship athletes. How do you feel the team? Uh, are people really going to go watch that? I don't know. The, you know. With Dwayne Johnson, with the rock buying some of the XFL and being the figurehead of that investment group, I'm sure I'd like to think that he is smart enough to understand that maybe we don't need to go to college anymore. If you can go make $100,000 in the XFL or more with, with all the advantages of being a professional in that league, if they can figure out a way to keep it afloat and make it profitable, look like good football relatively before COVID hit. I know a lot of the guys that were playing it liked it. I think that that might be a better opportunity. You go play with better people. It's a professional atmosphere. You learn how to be a pro. You don't go to college and act like you're in the NFL already. That's a huge problem. You're not there yet. 
don't act like you're in the league already or you won't get there or your time there will be extremely short. NFL means not for long. Remember that shit. So it, it's when it comes down to it, it's these kids need to be paid. They need to be compensated for their time. They need to be, they need to be broke off a piece of the pie that actually makes sense because the way that this is going right now, especially now with the COVID scare and like the, you can, you can sit out and you'll keep your scholarship, but you'll probably never see the field again because the coaches will blackball you most places. And they say they won't, but they will. There's nothing voluntary. Let's be real. Um, I just, I have a feeling that this could get ugly, but at the end of it could be something that really, really, really is beautiful. And, and, you know, it's Jay Cole says that there's beauty in the struggle and it's real for real. If this struggle is something that college football players feel strongly about. You better stand united and fight and not fucking give in just to go play a football game. If you want to get paid, if you want to get your piece of the pie, if you want your piece of all that TV money, get a college football players union going. Get one of these big-time players to head it, Trevor Lawrence, someone like that. Shit, who gives a shit? Get one guy up in Boulder to head it. Have a player, college football players union that uh, a award to sit down and talk about issues and go to, you know, the, the coaches. They have a college football coaches union. So I, I'd like to think that, yeah, I love college football and, and it's an amazingly awesome game, but it can be better just like everything. It can be better. I think it can be. And I'd like to think that the people that are in, in college football, especially Mike Emmett, the douchebag that runs the NCAA or any college coach. I mean, if you want to be the coolest coach on earth and you want guys to literally want to come and bend over backwards to play with you, I think that, I think that you've really got to take into consideration that you might want to come out on the forefront and be the coach where you should pay these college athletes. So we'll see how that goes, but I'd like to think that the college players will at some point get what is coming to them um from a monetary standpoint and th this is the opportunity to do it so hold the hold the feet to the fire and let's see if you can get yours and if it happens in the pac-12 it happens in the pac-12 all right so moving forward into the NFL game now it is my honor and pleasure to bring on a, a good friend of mine and and one of the voices here in Denver, Mark joining us here on McChesney Unchained episode 78 uh to talk about the nfl and the Broncos and the offensive line is so much more. Uh, it's an honor to have Mark on the show today. Uh, a guy that I grew up watching here in Denver. He's got three Super Bowl rings with the Hogs and then two with the Denver Broncos. Mark, thanks so much for coming on the show, bro. After your, your morning show on the fan this morning, I listened to the, uh, damn near all of that. Um, let's dive straight into this, bro. I, before we talk about the NFL and the COVID stuff and all that, have you ever seen a situation – hi, Mark. Have you ever seen a situation where a team is this depleted and, and, and like we're on the edge, we're on the tipping point with offensive tackles where we're about to be in real trouble? Have you ever seen a team this in this much trouble from an offensive tackle perspective? Um, probably – Probably not. There may have been a time or two when, you know, during the course of a football season where you're, you know, you have a bunch of injuries and then you're in deep trouble, right? But the, the fact that you've neglected 
in my mind, you completely neglected addressing the position. And, you know, you went on the media praise tour uh, for, hey, all the great things you did as an organization because you drafted speed and you drafted talent. And, you know, I've had the good fortune over the course of my career, Matt, to, to be involved um, with two organizations that, to me, did it the right way, that understood that you build a team from the inside out. If you block and you take care of the line of scrimmage, you're going to win a lot of football games. And it doesn't matter how many fast guys you have. If you can't block people and you can't tackle and you can't do those things, if you can't control the line of scrimmage, you just don't win. And so, you know, I was part of a, a hogs. I was part of the offensive line in Washington. You know, you think about our 1991 team. We went 19 games, right? We went 17 and two in 19 games throughout the playoffs in a world championship. And in those 19 games, we gave up nine sacks, nine in 19 games. It's unheard of. It's, it, nobody will ever replicate that. And then here in Denver, with our ability to run the football and Terrell Davis and, you know, having Zimmerman and having all the guys that we had, you know, put together three or four of, of the best years in the history of any football team. Actually, the best winning record between us and New England were tied over a three-year span. And a lot of that has to do with the group up front. So I was part of two great offensive lines, um, you know, two great organizations. And to see the fact that you walked into this year with zero plan is befuddling to me. The fact that you knew that you weren't going to pick up a guy like Garrett Bowles, you weren't going to pick up his fifth-year option. You know that he can't play. You know that you're just trying to weather the storm. You know that Jawan James missed the year last year injured and is has historically been a 100% guy. If I'm not 100%, I'm probably not going to play. And Elijah Alexander, who started 12 games – or, excuse me, Elijah Wilkinson, who started 12 games last year, he's a swing tackle. I mean, you know what you have there. He shouldn't be a starter in the league. And, and, and that's, not a, that's not a slight to that guy. I'm not bagging on that guy. I'm saying there are guys who are valuable because they do play swing positions and they can back up all those positions, but you don't want them to be full-time players there. There's a reason – like, there's nothing wrong with being a backup player in the NFL. You know why? Because you're still one of the best players in the world if you're a backup player. But there's a reason some guys are backups and some guys are starters. And to be that thin at that position, and I'll tell you this, and I don't mean to monologue here, but everybody looks at the Kansas City Chiefs, oh. even the Broncos look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and they, and they basically point to the Chiefs and say, well, that's our, you know, that's the litmus test. That's what we're trying to get to, right? And you look at the Kansas City Chiefs and what they've been able to accomplish, and I will tell you, everybody talks about speed and athleticism. Look, we've matched the speed and we've matched the athleticism. I would tell you this. When you really break them down and when you really look at Kansas City Chiefs, they probably get about 80% of the time they get five guys out in the pattern. So when you think about how football works, you got five blockers up front, five offensive linemen. If you get five eligible receivers out, that means you've got a quarterback back there by himself with five guys in front that can pick up five guys. And Kansas City does it better than anybody else, and they just rely on their two offensive tackles, Mitchell Schwartz, who's one of the best in the business, and Fisher, who's a, a really good athlete and has recoverability, they just say, hey, you guys lock them up. And if you do break down, we've got Mahomes, and he's athletic enough to make people miss and scramble around and make a big play. But people just take for granted that, oh, they're just so talented. They just get they just 
are so talented, they just throw the ball all the time. Well, they throw the ball all the time because they've got five guys that can hold up up front while they do that. And, and, and I think that's a big mistake that, that franchises make is they don't understand that, that aspect of football. Um, they just see the speed and athleticism and think that's all they have to do. That's a great point that you make about the, the offensive lines that you played on and all the knowledge that you gained from those, those units and the, the great players you were on, both in Washington and in Denver. And the, the, uh, uh, Mark Slur joining us here on episode 78 of McChesney Unchained. Um, you can hear him every day on 104.3 The Fan in the morning show doing a great job uh, with Mike Evans. It's one of my favorite shows to listen to because of the immense knowledge that you get. I, I guess this is my next question, Stink, is – I tried to play myself to the bone in the NFL. I, I had seven left ankle reconstructions. I have a five-level fusion in my back. I literally had to have a doctor say, you're going to be in a wheelchair, you dummy. If you keep playing, you need to stop. I know that you've had 40 surgeries in your life. You played after knee, like a week after knee surgery before. One of the toughest guys to play in the National Football League throughout history. I understand that COVID is extremely scary. I know that you've had autoimmune disease before. I had West Nile virus when I was a rookie. It was awful. I, I don't know how you can opt out as the starting left tackle with all that money on the table, but not only the money, how you can look at your teammates in the face and say, you know what? It's just not as important to me as it is to you, regardless of the, of the excuse that's being thrown out there. And then to have Jawan James have him be called out by Vic last year, and it's just a bad look in my opinion. And I, I just I wonder if some of the toughness has left football and it, it's become more of how do I get paid and be secure rather than how do I leave a legacy and try and play it to the bone? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, well, I think there's definitely parts of that in there, and I think there's plenty of guys who play – the right way and and have the right attitude about it um you know the money is so immense so much different than it was when you and i played um and so that i mean that's part of it is that you play one contract or you play one season and, and you've got life-changing money it wasn't that way you know when i came in the league so you had to play if you wanted to make money you had to play if you you wanted to support your family so it, it's a bit different that way um, you know, I don't think the Broncos have handled first and foremost. I had to play hurt. Right. Yeah. You had to play, you had to play hurt. I mean, it's just the way it was. It was different. Now guys are making the money that they don't have to show up. They don't have to play that way. They don't have to have that same investment that, that we had. And I don't begrudge them of that. I would say this, it's more incumbent than ever on the organization to make sure when you sign a guy or when you are going after a guy, be it free agency or be it the draft, that you know what makes that guy tick, that you understand the things to me that are most important. What kind of character does he have? What kind of belief system does he have? What type of integrity does he have? How is he motivated? Is he internally motivated um, or is he externally motivated? Because if he's externally motivated, once he gets paid, you know, that motivation goes away. And so you have to do a better job of all the ancillary things that come with playing the game. Not just can you play, but where are you from a mental standpoint? And, you know, if you look at Jawan James, he's incredibly talented, 
Um, I said this coming in when they signed him. You watch him play, man. He understands the game. He understands where his help's coming from. He understands how to take good sets. He's an exceptional athlete. My only problem with him is 1,001, 1,002, and I am done. And how many guys slip off late when he's got them locked up in perfect position, slip off late to make a tackle for four yards? And everybody celebrates, hey, we got a four-yard run. And I'm looking at going, well, it would have been an eight-yard run if you continued on your block instead of letting the guy go. Or it might have been a 15-yard breakout. And so there's that aspect of Jawan James. I will say this. If you want to dog cuss me and you want to say awful things about me behind closed doors, um, you know, I'm man enough to handle that, and I'm good with that. Uh, the Broncos and Vic Fangio broke a cardinal rule. You don't ever go out to the media in public and call a guy a pussy. Pardon my French. But essentially, they said, hey, our doctors cleared him to play. He's fine to play, and um, he's not – emotionally ready and he is not physically ready you basically said the guy is soft and you cannot hey if you want to call him out in front of the team and call him soft or what that's fine but you cannot stand on the podium and do that that is a that is a unwritten nfl rule or unwritten professional sports rule and it's the quickest way to lose your credibility in the locker room. And in the same press conference, essentially, or our press conference that week, you're praising Garrett Bowles and how much he's improved. Like, you want to lose a locker room and lose your integrity in a locker room? That's, that's hey, how to lose your locker room 101 presented by Vic Fangio. That, that kind of stuff can't happen. And, um, and it happened last year. And, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of, there's a portion, I don't know how much, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's a portion of Jawan James holdout or Jawan James opting out that is exactly because I wasn't supported by this organization and I'm not going to play for that organization. I, I, think it's, I think it's his last snap here as a Denver Bronco. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I don't see how he can stay on the roster uh, moving forward just from a standpoint of – being dependable, I think that they'll definitely move on. How do we fix this, Mark? I mean, instead of just looking at the problem, because it's definitely a problem. Both tackles are a problem. What what's right. the answer? I don't they don't have the guy on the roster. They've got developmental players in Quinn Bailey and Rogers and stuff, but they're they're undrafted. They haven't even played yet and there's no preseason. They didn't go after Trent Williams. They didn't go after Jason Peters. There's not just there's no tackles falling off trees. We don't have anything to trade. It are we moving Reisner to tackle and playing Schlotman at guard and just rolling? I mean, I, I'm I'm really I'm interested to see how the hell they're gonna. I mean, Munchak and Cooper have their work cut out for them, man. I'll tell you that. There, hey, there. I'm a, I'm with you. There's no question. And maybe it is Dalton Dalton Reisner, but you drafted him to be a guard, and you come out and said, hey, we think he can go to. 10 straight Pro Bowls, which, again, hyperbole. Like, the kid is good. I, I'll give him that. But, you know, so you're going to Pro Bowl at, at 35. You know, that's your – I mean, let's let's settle down a little bit on that. Matt, they just didn't have a plan. They Bottom line is they didn't have a plan. And, you know, they're, they're hoping that Juwan James pans out. They're hoping that Garrett Bowles pans out. You know, it's so interesting to me, too, when I hear people talk about how much better Garrett Bowles was in the last five games of the season, I'm like, put on the film. No, he wasn't. He wasn't any better. 
Uh, okay, he didn't have the holding calls, right? But, you know, it's interesting. Like, people will look at a lack of holding calls and a quarterback who can escape harm's way and say, oh, Garrett Bowles got better. And I'm like, really? Because when you look at it, there's a couple things that happened. One, they really based out of, like, let's condense the formation. Let's get big to throw the ball. So let's get in two tights and two backs. Let's condense. Let's squeeze down. And let's protect both edges, okay? And let's protect our quarterback in doing that. And people say, well, what do you mean by let's protect our quarterback? Well, if you get into those heavy formations, a defense is, is they have to rotate down a safety. They have to get an eight-man box, which means you're getting a single high player in the middle of the field. So it means you're playing one of two coverages. You're playing cover one or you're playing cover three. And then when you really start to understand football, you understand that cover one and cover three on the outside are exactly the same if you run vertical routes. If you run vertical routes, it's a man matchup out there. And so you basically tell your quarterback, here's what we've got. This is what they're running. And so you simplify the game. And then when you start to look at what they ran, the combinations they ran, um, a bunch of drag slants, a bunch of stick routes, a bunch of you know, a bunch of six-yard out routes, like they're getting the ball out of his hands, out of heavy formation. So they're basically dictating, you break the huddle, you don't have to survey the defense, you know what you're getting based on formation and personnel grouping. And two, we're going to get the ball out of your hands in two seconds. So you tell me how much improvement you had at left tackle. You, I, would, I, would, I would argue you had none. I would argue the system did it for you. And then – then I, I look at, you didn't address the issue. You didn't draft anybody. You didn't pick anybody up in free agency. And now you've changed the offense to where a Pat Shermer is in three wides 76% of the time over the course of his history. Um, meaning when you spread as an offense, personnel-wise, you spread a defensive line to rush the passer. Um, you, put, you spread your offensive line. You put them in harm's way. And if I look through the history of Pat Shermer, his offenses are always in the bottom third of the league when it comes to sacks and pressures given up because you put your guys in bad positions. So, you know, we're going to – we're what Gary Kubiak used to say, we're fixing to find out, right? Well, we're fixing to find out. Um, and, um, you know, we'll see exactly how it, how it pans out, but I don't think it's going to be good. I don't think year two is going to be good for Drew Locke. I don't think this offense is going to produce. And, 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 and we'll, we'll get you off uh, episode 78 with this final question. And I do agree with you. I think that the Broncos offense, I love how everybody's like, you know, they're mimicking and, and modeling Kansas City from a speed perspective. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Schwartz is the best right tackle in football in yes. 95% of the time. And this is the number one pick for, in the draft in one year. And he's developed his ass off and really worked – to, to make some of the speed, the power moves that he struggled with, with Harrison back in the day, to fix that. And he, because of those two, they were able to do what you said, play five-man routes and, and mm -hmm. let Mahomes go, you know, dictate defense. can't do that in Denver because we didn't really follow Kansas City's plan. And then on top of that, when the hell did we start following Kansas City? Last time I checked, we won Super Bowl 50 before they won Super Bowl 54. So why are we following Kansas City's lead? I thought we were the leaders of the AFC West in Denver. And then we'll get you out. 
Yeah, I yeah, me too. But uh, apparently we're not. And I'll tell you the other thing that's interesting about watching Kansas City. I mean, you want to talk about throwing conventional wisdom to the just to the wind. Um, Kansas City doesn't want to run the football. They don't want to control the clock. They don't want to. You look at their last two years. They've lost eight games. Every one of the games they've lost, they have absolutely got thunder punched when it comes to clock control. Now. Most teams did it through running the ball and controlling the clock and doing all that stuff. One team, I think it was the the Chargers who did it through short passing game and converting on third down. But the bottom line is, if you can't physically wear their ass out and you think you're getting into track meet with Kansas City, you're dumb. Like, you're just dumb. You cannot get into a track. I don't care how good your athletes are. You can't get into a track meet with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the Cheetah and Mark uh, Hardman and, um, and Robinson. And you just, you can't do it. I am sorry. And now Hilaire coming out of the backfield. You cannot do it. They run the ball. You go back and look at what they run the ball. They run the ball. I bet you they average about with their running backs. And I'm not talking about Mahomes who will scramble every now and again with their running backs. They probably average between 12 to 15 running attempts a game, a game. They don't want to run the ball. Rusher. Yeah, they, 428 they yards is what Williams. Right. I bet you. I bet you Williams barely has over 100 carries, about like 120 carries on the season. And like that's what they. That's what they are. So if you think you're going to beat them by getting into track meet, you don't understand football, in my opinion. You just don't. That is the great Mark Swift. You can hear him every morning on 104.3 The Fan on the morning show, spitting the truth. Mark, thank you so much for coming on episode 78 with Chesney Unchained and talking football and offensive line play and the Denver Broncos and some of the things that we might be seeing this fall. Um, I'm glad we're playing football. Thank God the NFL is playing. Um, and I'll be listening every morning. And, folks, if you want some truth and some honesty, man, this is the man to listen to. So thank you so much, Stink, and have a great day, brother. My pleasure, my friend. Be good. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. And it's always great to have Mark Swift on the show. He's a great friend and a guy that's been over here at the gym a couple of times and, and helped out with the group. Always loves to give back and, 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 and share knowledge. That's what I love about Mark so much is he's, he's not afraid to give back. He, if I would have played with Mark, he would have been the veteran that I glued myself to and said, teach me. And I had Pete Kendall when I was in New York and, and pizza Pete was the guy that helped me through so much. And I, I, I could see Mark being that same kind of vet. So, you know, he's helped me a lot with the radio stuff and developing my town as well. And it's, it's great to have him on the show and talk about a lot of these issues. And look, man, I, I want the Broncos to win. I want the Broncos to go kick ass, but they have a real, real problem at tackle. And it's, it hasn't been addressed like Mark talked about. And I don't understand how we can panic. So if I'm the Broncos, I am combing the earth to try and find offensive tackles. And to be completely honest with you, I don't know where they're going to find them. So I guess we'll see. Um, look, no preseason games is going to be a big problem for Denver as well because you can't replicate the speed of the game in practice, really. And there's so many restrictions in practice now. So I don't know where they're going to find an offensive tackle, but I will say this. Quinn Bailey is a hell of a player. 
He needs an opportunity. I work with him all the time in here. He's got, he's going to have a shot as long as they give him a legitimate one. At this point, Wilkinson is going to be starting, and I agree with Mark. He's your swing guy. He shouldn't be the starter. He should be the guy that's filling in at guard and tackle, but he's going to be one of your starting tackles, and I hope he can stay healthy. And then your other tackle is going to be Bulls, and I think we could be looking at another year where fans are literally ripping their hair out, and I, I can't blame them, man. I mean, if you're, if you're not going to progress and we're just going to rely on five games at the end of the year – against some really bad pass-rushing football teams, too. Let's be real. The Lions couldn't rush the passer worth shit. I mean, it, let's let's just be real on who they beat at the end of the year. It's not like they beat a bunch of superstars. Miles Garrett wasn't there when they played Cleveland. Like, it, it just is what it is. So, I like to think that the Broncos are going to be better, but I think that that improvement is going to come defensively, unfortunately, and I wouldn't – I think we need an offensive-minded head coach and a young guy to come in here and get these guys rolling. And we need, just like we invested in speed this year, next year I hope they use uh, their first two picks on two tackles. Just go get the best two tackles in the draft if you can, move up. Who gives a shit? Go spend some money on somebody. Just do your homework because Jawan James ain't that guy. Um, look, I'm, I'm not going to rag on Jawan. I, I dealt with injuries throughout my career. It sucks missing time. I never to a lot of fans, and the fans in Denver want tough, smart, you know, hard-nosed, ass-kicking football players, and they're used to watching Zimmerman and Tony Jones and Stink and Brian Habib and Nalen and Clady and Harris and, you know, all these – Chris Cooper and all these badasses that played throughout the years and all these tough guys that played throughout the years, and now they're getting Jawan James. So – I don't know, man. I'm uh, I'm all about being safe. I had West Nile virus. Rookie was terrible, but I I survived it, and I went back and played as a rookie for the Jets. I didn't have any preseason games. Overcame the adversity. I didn't try. Jawan James is going to be known as the guy who played sixty snaps for sixty million. That's a million dollars a snap. Shit, I don't know. Maybe what he's doing is right. Holy shit, I don't know. Uh, this is episode 78 of McChesney Unchained. Uh, me on Twitter and Instagram and check everything out at DNVR Unchained uh, on Twitter to follow the show. We'll be posting all this up. And uh, big thanks to Mark Schler for coming on the show and talking all things football. Uh, big thanks to Ethan and Andre for all they do for producing this and, and dealing with my with my bullshit. So uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, it was Awesome to uh, to do the show today with more information for you next week regarding the NFL, the Broncos, and college football. See what happens with all that. So I'm Matt McChesney. That was episode 78, and we're out of here. Thanks, folks.